Hey there, my name is Jackie, and I am your host of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. Remember to visit homeschoolthinktank.com to learn more about how we serve homeschooling families. Also, if you check the link in the show notes below, you can get more information about anything that is mentioned in this episode. I hope you enjoy this episode about homeschooling and parenting, and be sure to check in on Mondays for our episode that is all about mindset. Today, I am interviewing Beth and Greg Langston. For the past 20 years, Beth and Greg have been working with high school students. And what they do is they help them figure out what their life's purpose is, what they want to do with their life. And if a student, a teenager, is considering the college route, they can ultimately save thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars by figuring this out before they start college. Now, Beth graduated from Purdue University in education, and Greg also graduated from Purdue's Cranert School of Business. And he has led hundreds of young professionals in business and worked with people in over 65 countries. Now, by the time Greg and Beth's kids were 13, they had been to 12 schools and homeschooled and lived in five countries. I think you are going to find tremendous value in today's episode. I know I was taking notes while interviewing them because I too have teenagers who are on the verge of adulthood and the tips they share in this episode are outstanding. I want to mention there is one moment where we talk a little bit about vision and I mentioned my vision board. So in the midst of the episode, I actually showed them the vision board. Now, if you want to watch the YouTube video later, you can see it there, but I'll also just put a picture up of my vision board in the article that goes with this episode. So if that interests you, go ahead and check it out. Again, this interview is jam-packed with actionable tips that you can take away and do with your kids today. And if your kids would like to join Greg and Beth's program, you will find a link to their program in the article that goes with this episode. Enjoy today's interview. So I want to start by asking you to share a little bit about college flight plan, what your purpose is, what you do, and then we'll go into the steps about talking about how to help your teen find their purpose. Sure. Well, in a nutshell, we help students figure out what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are when they're in high school and what they're passionate about and naturally gifted to do so that they can choose a major that allows them to graduate in four years and have a fulfilling career. Or on the flip side, after being homeschooled, they determine that, you know what, college is not the right thing for me. I want to take a gap year or I want to go into a different profession. Then that's what I choose to do. And so, you know, maybe it might be interesting if Beth tells you a little bit about how we got started in doing this in the per- in the first place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how did you get started with this? Well, we started with our own children. They were our guinea pigs. So back in the day, we actually raised our children most of their years before high school they, overseas. And so by the time our son was 13, he had been to 12 schools in five different countries. So we were, we were on a fast track there. It was great though, because they could learn foreign language. We all learned foreign language and we gained an appreciation for other cultures. Like in Singapore, the Singapore American school has 72 nationalities 
represented in K through 12. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's, that's a lot. <laughs> what neat experiences. So did you homeschool your kids all through those years since you were overseas? Yes. Yeah. And, and when we were overseas, because I'm an education major, uh, we did have to homeschool sometimes, especially when we moved to Australia. It's a different school year there. So we got there in uh, November, I believe. So going into their summer and their summer break. So they start their school year in January or February. So we were homeschooling. So yeah. Your kids are very used to being out of their comfort zone. <laughs> they are they are homeschooling different schools different countries different language How interesting different yeah. languages yeah. yeah talk about mexico yeah in mexico so they were the only english speakers in their school so they would come home from school in the afternoon and for two to four hours we would have the spanish english dictionary in one hand and their homework in the other and we would just plow through what they had to get done translating everything and they did it. They did it well. And they're so capable. Kids are so much more capable of rising to the challenges that we put before them than we think, than we give them credit for, you know, yes. they're very capable. Absolutely. So, I think the more you can step back as a parent and let your children do what they need to do, the better off they're going to be. And that's hard for parents. It's yes. really hard. It is. Hard. So, so you started out by helping your kids Yes. get ready for their futures. Now, did all of your kids go to college or did some go to college and some not? They all went to college. They changed their minds about what they wanted to study along the way. We'll get into that, <laughs> giving the kids opportunities to explore what they think they like to do. <laughs> and then sometimes when they're exploring that or going to work with someone in that profession, they decide, oh no, that's not what I want to do at all. But you know, yeah. when we were overseas, we thought we needed to get back to the States to start preparing for that application, college application process. We thought we needed to be there by freshman year. But when we came back, we were very disappointed that nobody in their schools were helping them, you know, discover their strengths, weaknesses, giving opportunities to explore different uh, occupations and things. Find their purpose and Find, their goals and so forth. Yes, but, and Greg, as an executive, uh, you know, he oversees, he was running these corporations and he was provided with hours of this great executive training that helped him uh, gain skills and gave him assessments that improved who he was as a person, his performance as a leader and as a team player. And he kept saying, why have I had to wait 20 years to learn this? And why aren't we teaching these things to our kids right now? This is when they need to know what they're good at, what their goals are. And so that's when we started on our own children as our guinea okay. pigs. <laughs> so now you have college flight planned where kids come in and you work with them, teenagers, yes. on finding their purpose. And right. so when we were talking pre-interview, you were telling me how much money families can save by sort of working through this before they go to college. Did you have numbers to go with that? Absolutely. I can't remember. Sure. Okay. So tell uh, me about if, that. If you figure that uh, an in-state school is on the low end for all in expenses, let's say 40,000, and you have an Ivy League school where we sent our son, which is uh, $80,000, you're talking, the, the fact is, if you save two years of college, you're talking about saving 
between eighty and $160,000 by going through the self-discovery. And the reason I say that is because many parents don't know it, but only 40% of college-bound students graduate in four years. A full 60%, oh, yeah. 60% of them graduate in six years, and that's because 60% of them change their majors three times at least because they're not sure what they want to do. I was in the 60%, absolutely. <laughs> so and uh, I'll share a quick little story with you. I knew what I wanted to do when I went, by the time I was in eighth grade, I wanted to be an interior designer. I spent hours going through the Sears and Roebuck catalog and like picking furniture out and how I would decorate things. And do you want to know what happened to me? And like, sure. I was, I really knew what I wanted. And this was before interior design shows were on TV. Right. And so I had a terrible counselor is what happened in eighth grade. He called us each student individually into his office. And in 10 minutes, that man ruined my dreams because you're so susceptible as a young, as a child. And here's what he said to me. He said, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be an interior designer. And he actually said, well, that's just something that rich men's wives do. And I literally dropped my dream then and there. And because I thought, well, I'm probably not going to marry a rich man. You know, <laughs> I was just a normal average kid. And so what a horrible thing which, to say. Isn't that a limiting belief right uh -huh. there, actually? But I, I dropped it. And it was literally, I floundered my way through college. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Finally, I, I just started taking classes I really liked. And I finally thought, well, I like activity and I like teaching. So I'll be a PE teacher. But I have to say that was not my natural calling. I mean, I did a decent job, but it's not what I was born to do. And so I, I did. I dropped that dream. And I think that's a, a terrible thing. And actually, though, now I feel like I, I wouldn't want to be an interior designer today. Oh, and I didn't finish my story. I was literally sitting on the couch nursing my firstborn child, watching trading spaces. And it like hit me. And I went, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an interior designer. And I just looked back with Oh my gosh, but isn't that so sad that I, and I really would have been very good at it. It's really what I wanted to do, but now I am doing what I feel like I, I should be doing in this stage of my life with homeschool think tank, but I can actually look back to one assignment in all of my school years where we were told to create a commercial and I created rainbow diapers. I, I used my mother's dish towel, colored rainbows all over it put it on my great big Bugs Bunny doll and did a rainbow diapers commercial. And I loved that project. It was so much fun. And in many ways, you know, starting a business, you're sharing this, you, you have to market, right? So you are sharing your products with people and what you offer to the world. So I'm like, oh, that was that was something I was truly born to do, but something like you guys did probably would have saved me. I think you saved way more than you said, way more than say, what is it? 40,000 a year. So 40 to um, 160,000. Yeah. 160 to say $320,000 for a four-year program. But if most people finish it in six, not only are you spending more 
on those extra years of college, but you are losing ground in your earning potential because you're not earning money with that degree that you could have. So I actually think you're probably closer to 500,000 to a million if you really think about it, depending on your occupation. Well, you know, another data point that's, you know, pretty amazing that speaks to the opportunity to help kids is that 87% of people 16 to 29, 87% have no purpose or meaning. So they don't, they don't know what they want to do. And then you compound that when you have people who like the, Jackie, like the person who said to you, oh, you can't do that. I mean, you just throw even more, you know, gas on that fire. And so that's why it's so important for students and the parents of those students, whether they're homeschooling or not, to help the kids figure out what is it that they're good at? What should they do? Because they want to, and they are capable of figuring out what it is that's important and what they're passionate about. And that's why we are so focused on, on doing what we're doing. And finding okay. those opportunities as parents, we need to see what our kids are interested in and find opportunities for them to explore that interest. Our son is a great example. He, his whole life, he thought he wanted to go into the medical field. And so as he got older, he thought, oh, I think I wanna be a surgeon. And he had the opportunity to go to work with a cardiovascular surgeon and then a neurosurgeon. And after his time with them at work in the operating room, he came home and he said, that is not at all what I want to do. And so he, thankfully, he didn't waste his time and money going to school all those years to only find out that, oh, I, this is not what I wanted to study. He went into the world of finance. So sometimes they think they have an interest, but when they actually get the practical, applicable uh, you know, experience with it, they, they're like, oh no, it's not at all what I thought it would be. Yes. So how can a parent like myself help their kids find their purpose? It, you know, clearly you help them do this too, but how can I help my child? I have a 17 year old daughter and she is thinking she wants to go on one route. And as her mom, I'm thinking that's not necessarily where your natural genius is. Just like what I did. Right. I didn't, I went and it wasn't a bad route. It just isn't where my natural genius was. So how do you help your kids find their purpose? Well, what, uh, what we do in, in, in our program can easily be replicated at home. For example, if you wanted to, um, ask your daughter, uh, identify eight people who are vested in her, who she trusts and who will give them, who will give her strong feedback, you know, good and bad, say, these are the things that you do really well, three things you do really well. What are three things you do poorly that you need to improve upon? How do you add value to other people? And also, what majors do you think I should study or professions I think I should study? If you've put that on a Google Doc um, and ask the, the people to respond to them. To a survey. To, to, to a survey done by, by yourself, then they're going to get 200 data points of information back to them that's going to say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I don't do well. This is how I add value to others. And these are the majors and other things that we have included in our in our process that will help provide a real clear picture from people who care about your student, your your daughter, uh, as to what he or you know, she should do in this particular case. And so that's something that can be done that's very important. That's fascinating. I've never thought to do this to actually, it's one thing because as a parent, you tend to just have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with your kids, but you don't necessarily say, really 
ask others and not just go have a general conversation, but put it in writing, send them an email and ask them to give a thoughtful response, not just an off the cuff response. Correct. And this is where uh, we took the knowledge that I had from working in the C-suite where we have 360 assessments uh, as an executive and we automated that process. And so we include that and it's confidential. So the student doesn't know uh, who is giving the answer. Though sometimes they do guess. Okay. That, oh, that was my mom. <laughs> yeah. And there's value to that because then you can get skewed. And so that's why we prefer to have it be confidential. And so part of the discovery process that we have is to do that. We also help the student go through a discovery process in terms of their own core values as to what is important to them. And if I can share for your listeners, if they would envision the a cross section of a tree with the root system being your values, the trunk of the tree being your purpose that holds up your branches, which are your objectives and your goals. But it all the stems from the strength that your root system or your values have. And so that's why we believe it's very important that values are chosen by the student to see what values they won't negotiate on, that they will answer questions based upon those values when they're not with their parents or with their guardians and will make the decisions accordingly. And that will support their purpose and their objectives following that. That's fascinating. I love that. So I'm actually, if you notice, I keep looking down, I'm taking notes. So that's a good thing. The, the tree, you have your roots or your value. And what did you say the trunk is? Your purpose. purpose. Right. Purpose. But for you to get what, to your purpose. What are your leaves and branches? Those are your objectives. Those your are your objectives goals. and your goals. And so in order to really get clear on what your purpose is, you need to have that 30, 360 assessment in terms of your strengths and weaknesses. Uh -huh. You then take with us, you also then take a Colby assessment, which is an assessment that identifies how you instinctively problem solve. And the interesting thing is I've taken it three times over the last 25 years and I've not, I've not changed a point not one point. It's, it's one that your conation does not change. Your IQ and the way you interact with other people socially, uh, cognitively and effectively, that can change as you mature, but the way you instinctively problem solve remains the same. And so that leads us to help the student to, de to develop what we call their distinct natural abilities, their DNA, which is important when you are a young person, when you're not clear on what you do really well, and so armed with the self-discovery that the students have already gone through, they can say, listen, I'm really good at this based upon eight people providing me that information. These are my values. This is how I instinctively problem solve. And they craft a paragraph about themselves that says, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I do really well. So that when I'm in school and I'm asked to volunteer, or I'm on a job and I'm asked to volunteer or in a club, and I volunteer, I'm going to do something that I do really well. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. I have a thought around that, though. And I, I tend to think you should, I don't know, I have split thoughts here. Part of me thinks you should stay in your wheelhouse and do what you really do what you do really well. On the other hand, I think you have a lot of growth when you're willing to step out of your wheelhouse and do things you're not good at, but recognize that part of the, your purpose for doing it is to improve yourself. To Completely agree. Grow. Yes. Correct. You're 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 basically building muscle muscle tissue uh, in those areas that you know you're not good at. But for example, many kids 
don't know what they're not good at. They may have an inkling, but you know, if they get eight people coming back and saying, you really are not a good public speaker, then that might be something to say, you know what, I need to go to take a Dale Carnegie course, or I need to, I need to figure out a way to stand up in school and say something and just practice that in, uh, in that environment. And you may not be a good public speaker yet. Though you, that's Greg's favorite word yet, it, yet, you know, there are a lot of things that we can learn to do yes. in life. And what kids, what we found is kids, they want to know what they do well, that gives them some confidence. They want to know where they belong and they want to know how they can make a difference. And so that's what we try to help them discover. So with all that information that they've collected, and I must point out that part of the program is that they pick an accountability partner who helps them through this process and why you might ask. If somebody writes down that I'm gonna lose five pounds on a piece of paper, the likelihood of doing that, unless you're super um, diligent, is probably single digit. If you share with your friends and your whole ecosystem, your relatives, that you're gonna you know, lose five pounds, you will be shamed if you don't do the five pounds. In other words, there'll be pressure, social pressure on you to do that. And so that's 65% if you are, if you share vocally with other folks that, that you're going to do that. If you have an accountability partner, statistics show that you will have an accomplishment of 95%. And so that's why we have the student, we encourage them to pick the accountability partner. And you'll find that typically it's not a friend. Typically it is a parent or it is a relative or somebody that they say, this person is not just my buddy they're going to give me the cold unvarnished truth in terms of this is what I do well and this is what I don't do well. And so we we believe that's important to help the students go through that process. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And you know what? I, uh, I guess you could say I have had an accountability partner in my business, but we when we went on vacation to the end of last summer, it, it's sort of a business coach. It, and we fell off the bandwagon or I fell off the bandwagon and he called me about two weeks ago, but I actually had COVID and I was really sick and I didn't call him back mm -hmm. and I need to call him back because I need that accountability partner. He, I make a lot more progress when I'm working with him. And so I was working with him for like about three months this year, maybe, maybe longer. I can't remember three to six months. And I made a lot of progress in that time frame. Now, granted, when you're sick, you're not going to make as much progress, but sure. it, uh, well, yeah, you're, allowed. So, you're allowed to be sick, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's all beside the point, but the accountability partner is huge. Say those numbers for me one more time. I want to jot them down and I want my listeners to hear them again too. The percentage on having no accountability partner to having an accountability partner. 5%, 5% if you do it yourself, 65% uh -huh. if you share with others and 95% if you designate an accountability partner who is responsible to hold you accountable and you allow them to hold you accountable. Yes. Okay. Responsible to hold you accountable. Yep. I was saying that this allows them to then establish their purpose statement based upon all this information that they have. And they craft a purpose statement that says, what is it that I want to do that's bigger than me that I'm passionate about? And they have a lot more information now rather than just pulling it out of the air. 
and they then establish aspirational goals for what we call four different success elements. One is health. The second one is wealth, which while in the next five years, while you're going through school, it's educational accomplishment because educational accomplishment is your job. In the future, wealth will be a measure of your how well you perform in your job. Educational accomplishment is the what you'll be doing in the next five years. The, four, the third success element is wisdom, what wisdom you're gaining. And number four is relationships, your relationships with yourself, with your parents, with your friends, with your grandparents, with your God, whoever that might be. This is awesome. I love how you have this broken down. And actually, you may have noticed I glanced up and I have my vision board right over my desk. And awesome. so... Oh yeah. I, I spent a, a ridiculous amount of time. I have two vision boards, one for homeschool think tank and one for my personal life. And I can see them both. So, and I'm sort of looking at them and I've got them grouped and I really do have like health in one area. I have, you know, my family, my habits, um, fun in another area. So all of my areas do break down into the things that you just mentioned, health, wealth, wisdom, mm -hmm. and relationships, but it's done so cleanly. Here's the, I love my vision board. It, it's like all these just pictures, but here's I what I really need it. to add. I know. Um, <laughs> love it. I, I'm going to show you. I'm going to have to cut this out of the podcast. So podcast listeners, I'll put a picture on here. So there's my wow. vision board wow. right there. And now wow. it's, it's a, I mean, it's a lot of words, right? But there are certain, the one I come into the most, it, you, I don't know if you can see it here, grit, grit. It's a great <laughs> that word. That word <laughs> is, you know, very, you have to have grit to succeed yeah. in life. So yeah. another one there, you had grace, you had grace in there too. So yeah. you need to have, give yourself grace as That's when things exactly. don't go as you expect. Yes. Yes. And I, I actually think I have a podcast episode that has the word grace in it because of that right there, because I do have to give myself grace, you know, and I so wish I would have had your program when I was younger. I'm going to have to talk. To, I, I had my daughter look at your site, but you know, sometimes it's all in your approach. So let's say a parent is listening to this episode and they're like, I want my kids to work or kid, kids to work with Beth and Greg. This sounds amazing. And all, I mean, I've learned so much just from this one single episode. How do you approach your kids and get them on board? Because, you know, this is a parenting podcast. So we're mostly talking to the parents yes. and the way you approach parents and kids is different. So how, like, how do I get my kid on board with this? <laughs> Well, we'll give you an example. We just uh, have a new client uh, and a very, uh, this uh, a gentleman from another country had his son uh, sign up for this. And it, you could see the tension that where the son is standing next to him. They're from an Asian country. And the father is saying, my son doesn't do this. My son doesn't do that. He doesn't do this. And the son is standing right there next to him. Yeah. And, um, and so the son is like, Oh my gosh, my dad's putting me in another one of these programs, you know, 
just put a fork in me. And the, the fact is that is not unusual because kids are saying, listen, I'm running around with my hair on fire. I got too many things so to busy. do. I'm so busy. I've got my friends. I'm in school. A lot of it's a waste of time, but I don't have time to do something else. And so what happens with our program is we initially have a meeting with the parent and with the student. And we say, listen, this is going to be all about you. It's not about somebody else. It's all just about you. We're going to uncover and peel back the onion as to what you do really, really well. And it's all in two and a half minute segments. In other words, you're not going to have to listen to somebody talk for an hour. You're going to see, listen and watch a video for two and a half minutes on average. You're then going to be, and you can do that on your mobile phone. You're then going to go to your workbook, which is also mobile optimized, and you can fill the information out. And we are going to take you step by step to figure out what you're uniquely capable of doing. And so we've met with the student several times. And the first time he's like, okay, yeah. The second time it's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Then they get their feedback from the eight trusted advisors and they're saying, oh, this is what I'm doing really well. Oh man, they think I'm good at this. I think I'm good at this. Yeah. And so then they, they begin to have a transformation. You might want to talk yes. about that. So in the end of our process, they actually present what they've learned about themselves to their parents. And it is so cool to be in that room with them or on a Zoom now that we have Zoom, right? Uh, with them because you can see the transformation, not only in the student, but in the relationship between the student and the yeah. parent. The student has so much more clarity in knowing their values and their strengths and their weaknesses and their purpose and their major. And the parents are like, wow. And then they see the student's confidence in clearly understanding and articulating what makes them unique. And they need that when they start to go through the application process and writing those essays. And the student feels they have a little bit more control over their lives because they have actionable plans and goals. And the parents are sometimes in tears at that point saying, I've known you for 16 years and I didn't know this about you. This is so great. And it helps lessen yeah. the tension of deciding what to do next in life, what, what occupation they want to pursue. You said something that may, I want to respond to a little bit that I've known you for 16 years, 17 years, whatever, 18 years. And I didn't know this about you. In this last year, I've had some experiences with my oldest where it's sort of funny. You put your assumptions about people on them and your assumptions about even your own child can be really off the mark at times mm -hmm. because you just have your bubble of the world, your view of how things are. And sometimes you learn that things aren't quite what you thought. And, you know, and maybe your kids are behaving in a way because that's just the expectation, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I think there is something to be said for releasing your own parental I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you could call it the viewpoint or who you think your child is and allow them to be who they are. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you, you don't recognize their strengths, right? Or weaknesses or things like that, but you've got to release your children to be who they really are. Yes. And that's hard. It is hard. And we, in our Colby assessment that we give our students, 
Sometimes they come out in transition, it's called, meaning they do not have the freedom to be themselves because somebody either in school or at home is a little too controlling over who they should be. We need to allow our kids to have that freedom to be themselves. And so example being, we have some families where there's a history of lawyers in the family. The father's a lawyer, the mom's a lawyer, the uncle's a lawyer. And so it's like, Emma's got to be a lawyer. And Emma goes through our process and says, listen, I'm smart, I'm capable, but I would suck at being a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be an architect. And here are the reasons why I want to be an architect and I can make a very good living and I can be passionate about it. And I can, this is part of my purpose to be an architect. And that is very freeing for both sides of the, of the coin, because the parents say, because the parents are terrified that the student's not going to do well and is gonna come, you know, as we say, we want college flight plan to fly out of the home and fly into college and then fly into a career. We don't want them to fly back into our basement. What we, you know, the same thing is, <laughs> we, want our, yeah, we want our kids to, to flourish and to grow and to provide for themselves and to create a legacy that makes you and them proud. And going through the self-discovery, regardless of what you do, is extremely important. And parents cannot expect teachers to do this for them, not because they're not capable. It's because there are an average of 424 college counselors, excuse me, 424 students in high schools in the United States today per college counselor. There's no way. Per college or per per high school counselor. A high school counselor. There, okay. there are 424 students per high school counselor. In other and they words, recommend 200. Right. And in California, where we are, there are 900 students that each counselor has to deal with. And we have one instance where, you know, one of your students was asking oh. for information. You might yeah, we were that. doing the college application process and she had to list her activities and awards and she couldn't remember when she had gotten certain rewards. So she went to her her uh, counselor and said, could you look this up for me? I can't remember what year it was. And he said, I don't have time to do that right now. I'm dealing with 400 students or 900 in his case that need my attention. So we recommend to parents to write down the accomplishments somewhere or put them in your notes in your phone. Anything that your child gets or the students can write this down because we think we're going to remember what they did freshman year or the summer before freshman year is when it all starts. Any activities, extra courses they take, awards, accomplishments, involvements, you know, community activities, that has got to be recorded so you have it somewhere and you don't have to go to the counselor at school to find out later. I hope that you took so much from this interview. I know I did. I took notes for you in the blog post that goes with this episode. So just drop down to the show notes and you will find a link to that blog post. And you will also find a link to Beth and Greg's program, the YouTube video, all the things. So if you are interested in this, by all means, check out that link. I always appreciate it when you use the links that we provide. That is homeschoolthinktank.com slash college flight plan. Again, homeschoolthinktank.com slash college flight plan. You can always go to homeschoolthinktank.com slash interviews as well and find a list of interviews that we have done 
on the Homeschool Think Tank podcast, and you'll find them listed in there as well. All right, you have a great day. Live and learn your way. My name is Jackie, and I am your host of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye. I want to say thank you for listening to the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to follow this podcast and share it with a friend. Remember to check the show notes for a link to the article that corresponds with this podcast episode. In this article, we'll include any links that we mentioned in this episode. And remember that you can search all of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast episodes at homeschoolthinktank.com.